Folks, this is Always Be Watching. It's the podcast that you come to to hear what myself and my co-host Chris Yates have been watching, except no substitutes. This week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. Novel idea. Do you want more details? Sure, I'll give you more details. I want more uh, details. Tim and Eric, you want more details? Chris <laughs> wants details because he doesn't know what we're talking about. I get, I okay, remember. that's not true. He told me just moments ago that he's going to talk about the new Tim and Eric show called Beef House. That can't be a real show. He's also going to talk about the brand new season of the Australian Lego Masters, which represents the 34th time he's talked about Lego Masters on this here podcast. <laughs> me, my name's Dan. I'm going to be talking about Brew Brothers, which is a new comedy that's come to the platform that you might have heard of before called Netflix. And I'm going to talk about everyone's favorite new streaming platform, Quibi. It's, it's actually a platform. This is a real thing I'm going to be talking about. <laughs> this is the only just time making I, up names. It's the only time I'm ever going to hear a person mention it in the entire world, I'm sure. <laughs> Look, it's possible. But we'll talk about the good and the bad of Quibi in a moment. Let's play a theme song. We'll come back straight after that thing happens. We just played a theme song, which means that we are officially underway with the podcast. My name is Dan Barrett. Your name is Chris Yates. This is all true information. Uh, I'm glad to be here looking at you through the wonders of the modern technology known as the internet and streaming video conversations. Yeah, look, it's really embarrassing because I've been telling people for years that the internet's just a fad and it's never going to take <laughs> off. But here we are using the internet to talk to each other. Wasn't it you that said on television that it was just a glorified video entertainment unit? Was that you or Tony Abbott? I can never remember. I get oh, you too God. confused a lot. Now I'm confused. Wasn't me or Tony Abbott? I, I don't remember. <laughs> as if you would be, mo- as if you would be bemoaning a glorified television delivery unit. That's you know. No. <laughs> Exactly. So in the last couple of weeks, because everyone's working from home at the moment, those who are lucky enough still have jobs, uh, but people are working from home and people complain that this NBN that we've all got isn't fast enough. And there's all sorts of very sort of obvious political reasons why that never ended up happening. But I came to thinking about a job that I used to have where I was doing some media monitoring for a state government um, body that I used to work for years and years ago. We don't need to go into the details. No, please don't. (laughs) I was was media monitoring at the time and I used to have to listen to a lot of talkback radio. And specifically, this was in 2014, 15, 14. And there was a conversation about the NBN. And this was on 4BC, which is a very uh, traditional talkback station that comes out of Brisbane. Uh, People know it as like the sister station of like the two UEs and three AWs of the world. Back then, they used to have local programming, which is not a thing that happens yeah, anymore yeah, in Brisbane. Right. But there was a talkback segment on the Greg Carey Morning Show, and they were talking about how the NBN was just useless because, and this is all the older 4BC listeners calling it on the talkback segment, they don't really need faster internet because they can access their email fine. They can access websites are okay. What more do you need? Why does it need to be faster? Well, you can watch a TV show on there. That's just silly. I could just turn on the TV myself. That's right. Why would you bother doing watching something you actually wanted to watch when you could, you know, the, the networks are putting up such quality content night after night? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, here we are, 2020. I'm lucky to say I'm in the uh, the, the labor stronghold of um, Wollongong with fiber to the premises um, at the moment, which is quite nice. 
Well, I live in a very traditional labor neighborhood as well. And we only got the NBN like six months ago. I had a theory that the cable- And there's no fancy like high speed internet. It's just, you know, bog standard NBN. I had a theory that the um, cable might actually be coming somewhere close to Wollongong because I think it comes from New Zealand um, under the ocean. This is, uh, this is not th- a thing I'm qualified to talk about. I probably shouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, we should say for people that don't know, like aren't from Australia, because we've got a few overseas listeners, uh, people who don't know, we actually only have the internet once a week and they bring the cable <laughs> into Wollongong. That's right. They plug it in, yeah. get the boats out and then, um, yeah, and can only use it for not a, no, no, no internet on the weekends. <laughs> oh, God, no. Can you imagine internet on the weekends? I have like noticed. disrupt that- the footy. I have noticed a drop off in my Netflix um, quality uh, in the peak hours where it, it definitely appears to be getting curbed um, somewhere oh, well, along the this, line. This is actually a thing that's happening. Yeah. So right so. around the world, Netflix have agreed to drop their bandwidth for everyone in order to be able to maintain some sort of level of internet connectivity for the world. <laughs> Which is very generous of them. And, I'm, and, I, and I say that like without being a smart ass because really there aren't, you know... <laughs> I like it. it's it's hardly their failure that the world isn't equipped to deal with their product. No, exactly. And it's not like their product is actually that intensive. No. And, and it's funny because I don't have a massive TV. So if I'm noticing the drop off there, these people with the very large, uh, you know, 8K televisions or whatever must be really uh, seeing something different going on there. I think 35K is the standard nowadays. Is it? Oh, God. Yeah. Here I am with my <laughs> 1.2K. I don't even know how many Ks it is. Anyway, for people listening to the podcast going, why am I even still listening to this podcast? What are these guys even talking about? When does the TV component of this start? Just keep in mind, this is the only time of the week that I actually get to, one, use the internet because we're going to get the internet once a week, uh, but also, two, talk to someone that isn't my wife. Yeah. I mean, it's a very yeah. similar situation. So, yes, <laughs> I've been talking to your wife a lot as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait a second. Um, Sarah. No, it is, okay. it is It is nice to catch up. And it, and we are, um, <laughs> we, I, we should explain, we are looking at each other on video conferencing uh, software as well so that we're mm. getting that full uh, intimate experience. Yeah. And thank you for wearing clothes this week. It's <laughs> all right. Yeah. I thought I'd, well, <laughs> I thought I was doing you a favor last week, but there you go. <laughs> Well, you know, winter's setting in. I don't want you getting a sniffle. So, uh, Chris, we're going to talk yeah. about some TV. Shall we do that? Yeah. Can I go first? Uh, yeah. Can you please? Can you talk about Tim and Eric with Beef House? Because, man, do I need a beef injection? So, Tim and Eric, you've heard of these guys, right, Dan? Uh, I believe this is Tim Heidecker and Eric, other guy. <laughs> Eric Wahim, I think you say his name. Uh, these guys uh, basically revolutionized television. With the show, Tim, Tim what was it? What's it called? Tim and Eric, great uh, show, good job. I can't even remember. Awesome show, good job. Awesome show, good job. Uh, which I've I've never been like. I, I was not. I had friends who were the absolute Tim and Eric fan fanatics, and they're strange people. But anyway, they've got a new show. Well, you know, oh, sorry, I was going to say, like, their show came along at a really interesting time. So, Adult Swim had been around for a few years. So, we all got familiar with a bunch of the Adult Swim cartoons, like Harvey Birdman, Attorney yeah. at Law, uh, C Lab twenty forty one, sure forty eight. I can't remember C Lab. Uh, there was the show, uh, the Hunger Force, um, Aquatine Hunger Force, Aquatine Hunger Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like these were all big shows that we kind of knew here in Australia because we got them on DVD. Because it was kind of right as we were all buying DVDs and getting excited yeah, about yeah. DVDs. Um, 
Um, so it was like in that sort of mid 2000 sort of era of DVD. But then by the time that Tim and Eric came along, it was kind of writers, people had stopped really buying DVDs and doing that anymore. So they kind of fall into this sort of interesting sort of space where there's lots of people who really know t- Tim and Eric because it was a niche thing that they downloaded. Yeah, okay, yeah, and so yeah. people who like there was it was definitely a word of mouth show amongst a very specific type of viewer. But I don't think it necessarily Weirdos. had that sort of broader cut through where it talks to the sort of the alternative left of mainstream in the way that it was really just complete fringe. And so I think there's lots of people who broadly don't really know Tim and Eric that well, but there's a bit of an audience for it. Like they can come and do a live show and I'll sell those out. They can have a show called Beef House and people will watch it. But I have to admit that Tim and Eric, while I think I appreciate their sense of humor, I've never actually found myself exposed that much to Tim and Eric because it's yeah, always right. been so fringe. And I, Dan Barrett, have never made the effort. There's been some really interesting, um, you know, they've they've showed up in some really interesting shows like um, Tim Heidecker has been in heaps of stuff, but he was in, um, he had a really great character in Eastbound and Down um, playing a sort of a square um, friend of uh, his wife's, Kenny Powers' wife, um, which was really good seeing him get into like all kinds of mischief there. And Eric Wareham, of course, was in the Aziz Ansari show, Master of Master None. Of none. So it was yeah. yeah, yeah, um, and he was really great in that, and they've both popped up in heaps of other stuff. But I guess, yeah, I guess in my world they're extremely famous. But my world is this terrifying place full of weirdos and <laughs> um, very odd people. And I've watched the uh, awesome show, great job, many many times um, over the years. And I've also, but I've really enjoyed watching how they've um, influenced other things. And I think they're even like. Uh, I think they their production company um, produces the um, Eric Andre show and just like uh, they've done a lot of really interesting, weird stuff. But anyway, the show we're talking about, I haven't even introed it yet. It's called Beef House. Brad? That's Corporal Brad to you, soldier. You son of a bitch. Why didn't you tell me you're in town? What a great surprise. Everybody, I want to introduce you to my old army buddy, Brad. We used to serve together back in the war. I love this guy more than anybody. In fact, he's my best friend. What the hell's going on in here? I can probably explain that. Hi, I'm Eric. Uh, you just caught us in the middle of the Easter fashion show. We're getting ready for the big Easter egg hunt. Bunch of dudes dressed all weird. <laughs> hey, what is this? Some kind of beef house? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a beef house. Believe me. It, sometimes we call it a beef house, but just as a joke, more of a derogatory term. If it was a beef house, it would suck. Yeah, no beef house. Forget it. I thought I recognized your voice. Megan Dungerson? Oh my god. There's some chemistry between those two. No shit. <laughs> oh god. What the hell's going on here? Hey, hey, hey. Make it up, you two. Brad and I uh, were high school sweethearts, and then he went off to war, and I thought he was killed. You still look so fine, baby. Well, this amazing person has decided to marry me, and that's the situation now. Technically, he's correct. <laughs> Okay, Chris, Beef House, I know I wrote something about it for the Always Be Watching newsletter months ago, but it's completely dropped out of my mind. I have no context for what Beef House is outside of Seminary. What's the deal? Okay, I'm just going to read the thing from Wikipedia. Beef House is an American comedy television series created by Tim and Eric um, featuring... (laughs) It's basically, it's a parody of 1980s and 1990s American sitcoms featuring um, Eric and Jamie Lynn Sigler as a married suburban couple who live with their former best friend, Heidecker, and the Beef Boys, a trio of eccentric men. Um, uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler is the young lady, Meadow Soprano. 
Meadow Soprano. I was trying to figure out where I knew her from. Jeez, I should have actually looked it up. Uh, and so she's married to Eric. And uh, in the first episode, Tim's uh, army buddy comes to stay. And um, please uh, tell me he's played by Anthony Jr. <laughs> I can't, no, I can't remember who. I, I'm, I didn't. I did recognize him. Uh, he's a grizzled old dude. Um, look, basically, it's you know Full House, Tim and Eric style in ten minutes. Um, if that doesn't appeal to you, then, you know, you're wasting your time. And if it does, you've probably already seen it. So, well, Tim so, and Eric, so this we, is like another adult swim show. So it's, uh, it is, it's a short, yeah, yeah. So it's done in, which is a good, like at first when it started, I was like, oh man, it only goes for 10 minutes. But by the end of the first 10 minutes, I was like, yeah, it's probably, probably for the best. <laughs> I don't know if we could get through 21 minutes of that. Um, but it's it's just very funny. Like they're just playing up to all the tropes. Um, there's not the sort of weird frenetic editing and all that. Like they're doing it very very straight, which is just ridiculous. The canned laughter's stupid. The plots are crazy. But but does do mirror those sort of you know the they're like the army buddy coming to stay and him having you know he had a relationship before with. With, with even just saying it sounds ridiculous with Eric's wife, and so there's some tension there, and then they have to put a do a big elaborate scam to get him to move out of the house. Anyway, compelling viewing, fantastic stuff. Okay, so explain this to me. Do they play this like a very traditional sitcom? Like, is there sort of any subversion of the sitcom going on, or is it just like, purely by them recreating a sitcom, it's being subverted in its own sense? A little bit like there's, you know, as far as the sort of more avant-garde stuff they do, like there's no crazy re- repeat edits or anything like that. There's some, there's definitely the, the one moment I laughed out loud was like a group hug that went for at least sort of four or five beats too long. Um, and, and there's some funny stuff with the editing a little bit in that kind of way. And, you know, they're okay. just they're handing it up really bad. Can I ask this maybe for a point of reference that would make sense to me? Uh, so thinking about movies like, say, Wet Hot American Summer, yeah. which Wet Hot American Summer plays itself completely as a throwback to films like Meatballs, those camp movies of the 1980s. But then midway through, they're like, hey, well, let's go into town. And then they all go into town and then suddenly find that their fun trip into town is sort of joyful and playful at first. But then you start seeing them going and like shooting up and getting addicted to drugs and <laughs> stuff as part of this ongoing like montage. And then they all get back into the van at the end, go back to the camp and then it's back to normal. Back to normal. Is yeah. there kind of that kind of subversion taking place or is it just purely a straight sitcom? No, it's a pretty straight sitcom. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if... if um, if like having three, you know, elderly gentlemen uh, who can barely say their lines, um, making one-liners and wisecracks is subversion, then maybe. But uh, no, really, it's just um, they're, they're really doing it as straight as I think as probably as straight as they possibly can. Okay, so is this a recommendation? It's an absolute one hundred percent recommendation. It'll probably be the greatest <laughs> thing I watch <laughs> watch all year. Um, the uh yes the 10 minute running time is very um is very appealing and also just like you know it's that thing that the, the actual sitcom format makes it very very watchable you know like there's a reason those things worked there's a reason those laugh tracks make you laugh it's it's, it's a it's a good it's a good formula yeah okay well that's probably a good segue for me to talk about what i was going to talk about next please do that's do that. i've got things yeah. to talk about there just just wrap it up again by saying Beef House, <laughs> which just makes me laugh every time I say it, uh, which is yeah. currently just on Adult Swim, but I, th- I you can just watch it on the website. So that's 
excellent. Even us, um, even us people on the other side of the ocean can access that on the adultswim.com website. Fantastic. Oh, yes. well, I will ch- I'll I'll definitely check thing. that out this evening. I'm sure you will. Um, Dan, what have you been yes, watching? Sir. Look, I have been watching a brand new streaming service called Quibi. Is Quibi a noun or a verb? Quibi is definitely a noun. I honestly don't know what a noun or a verb is. What is Quibi? What kind of question is that? I've got Quibi and I need to go to the hospital right now. I think it stands for quiet bingo. Now, Chris, this conversation's got to be a little bit different than what we usually do, because usually I'll talk about a specific show, but I can talk about a couple of shows very quickly in the prim- in the sort of brief time I'm doing this. But first of all, Quibi, do you actually know what this is? The only reason I know what this is is from you, and that's um, 100% true, like from reading the ABW newsletter. Um, and I think mm. you've mentioned it on here once before, but otherwise I haven't. I literally haven't seen a single reference of it anywhere. Not that I go looking, but I, it should have come across my radar at some point, I would thought. Yeah, so it's a bit of an interesting one. So Quibi, to explain this to people like Chris who've never really heard of this before, and fair enough, like I, I certainly wouldn't sort of dismiss someone because I've never heard of Quibi. Basically, the question is, is there room in people's TV consumption for another streaming service? And a lot of people would probably say, no, I already subscribed to Netflix and one or two others. And you know that's definitely more than enough for people. So what this is, it's uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who's one of the big sort of legends in animation. So he essentially went off and founded DreamWorks with uh, Spielberg and uh, David Geffen back in the day. So if you remember, DreamWorks was originally called uh, DreamWorks SKG. Mm-hmm. And so he was the K. Yeah. But anyway, he's the guy that really sort of uh, rejuvenated Disney's animation in the late 80s, early 90s with like Beauty and the Beast. And Absolutely. You know, that's he was a, a huge deal. Animation. He was a massive deal, right? Massive deal. He's the one that really got a lot of the DreamWorks animation up and running because that's why he was there with the company. And so a lot of animation has really come through him. He's a guy who understands the industry. He understands how to entertain people. He knows what audiences are after. And he teamed up with this lady named Meg Whitman, who she was formerly, I think, the CEO of like Hewlett Packard or something. So as far as understanding how to launch products and supply chains and stuff, like she knows what she's doing there. She, was de- she knows Jack how to Donaghy. get money. Yeah, she's essentially a Jack Donaghy. Uh, but yeah, so like he's the creative, she's the you know business person. The two of them got together saying, what the world really needs is another streaming service. But unlike all the other streaming services, we're going to have it as short form content. So nothing more than 10 minutes at a time and it's only going to be viewable on your mobile phone Mm. so like that's an interesting idea but the question is do people actually really want that Mm. because we've already got a thing in the world called youtube where there's already quite a lot of um, high-end interesting material being produced for that platform is there necessarily a need for more we've already got general entertainment taken care of with platforms like netflix and netflix you can watch on all sorts of devices including your mobile phone yes. so where does quibi necessarily fit into this now the one thing that they really have going for them is celebrities because it's katzenberg he's got a contact list which is fairly impressive they've also got a lot Nearly of money. as impressive as yours almost as impressive as mine yeah and much like myself he can get spielberg on the phone very quickly <laughs> so he's like hey spielberg i've got a platform do you want to make a tv show for it so Spielberg will be doing a short run horror series that'll be running on Quibi in the next couple of months. And it's him producing a TV series, like it's him directing it and it's going to be a Spielberg joint, but on Quibi. Uh, people like, uh, oh gosh, uh, Guillermo del Toro, he's doing a show. Uh, but like those things haven't launched yet. 
uh, what we've got in the sort of first wave of celebrities who are involved here, and I'm trying to find the little list I wrote for myself the other day, uh, you've got people like this. So Chrissy Teigen, who's a name that, you know, you and I probably aren't really that excited about Chrissy Teigen. They're like online people who read Daily Mail. Like they know who Chrissy Teigen is. Right. They're excited by that. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lopez, Chance the Rapper, uh, LeBron James has a doco on there. Uh, Will Forte and Caitlin Olsen. Caitlin Olsen being from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They've got a comedy on there together. Eva Longoria is in there. Uh, Titus Burgess from uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, he's got a show. Lena Waithe enough. from the... You're rattling off yeah. a lot of my favorite people here. No, but this is it. And it's deliberately intended this way. Uh, Lena Waithe from the aforementioned Master of None. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole Ritchie, uh, formerly of, you know, that terrible show with uh, Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. Named Lionel, Rich- Lionel Ritchie's daughter. Yeah. Um, Usher, Liam Hems- Hemsworth, our favorite Hemsworth. <laughs> uh, Christoph Waltz and Sophie Turner from The Game of Thrones. Uh, like these are fairly big names. And mm. so these are people that in the first couple of weeks will have shows here on Quibi. And what's interesting about all the shows is that on day one, they launched like about 30 odd shows. Some of these are a mixture of just sort of news programs. So they're just kind of the sort of things you find on YouTube anyway, where the BBC are like, hey, let's do a daily news program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, There's a whole bunch of them on Facebook Watch as well. So the same sort of people that usually do these partnerships with the big platforms, like Rotten Tomatoes, for example. I've got a show that's been on Facebook Watch for a couple of months with two, you know, fun, like, you know, funky people like doing uh, movie reviews and the news of the day, that sort of thing. Uh, they were doing that for Facebook Watch. Now they're doing it as Quibi uh, programming. So I don't know if they're exclusive now to Quibi or what the deal is there. And honestly, I don't really care because I don't really care for that program. Mm. But there's all sorts of stuff like that. But then I've also got a whole bunch of short-run documentary series, uh, reality TV content. So for example, Punk. Remember the show yes, Punk, yes. like the Ashton Kutcher thing? They've brought back Punk. So in partnership with MTV, they've produced a couple of shows. One of them is Punk and Chance the Rapper is playing, uh, is like Kutcher. the guy. <laughs> yeah. Like he's the Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, um, yeah. Ashton Kutcher, I think, created that show. So I'm sure he's still getting a kickback. But it's now Chance the Rapper doing it. And it's basically Chance sort of relying on his Rolodex to bring in people that he kind of knows. And so it's just him like pranking them. I watched the first one and like there was a woman who I think is a rapper maybe. And he's talking uh, like, she's there pulling into like the back of this sort of loading dock where they're picking up her dog. Cause there was like a shoes of like a video or something they were filming and she got separated from her dog. So I bring that out there. She arrives at the back dock to find a giant gorilla out there in a cage. <laughs> That's and then good. the gorilla gets out. And so the gorilla's going around and like sort of mutilating people around the car. And so she's freaking out and then eventually, like, the door opens and the gorilla's there just, like, staring at her. And then Charles Riper steps in and goes, hey, you know, you've been punked. And she's like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and it's kind of weird because no one knows that punked is coming back. So, yeah. like, there's no context for that. I wouldn't anyway, really believe you know, it. Um, no. I mean, there's a reason not to believe it. But what I want to talk about with punked specifically is that punked, I never watched the original version, but I would assume that, like, most TV shows, they just stretch that out for almost, like, the duration of the half hour. Yeah, 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 it might be, sure. like, a 20-minute sort of punked thing and then they'll do, like, two short things around it maybe. I'm mm-hmm. guessing it's how the format worked. But in this, it's only like an eight minute piece. So by the time it's worn out, it's welcome. Like it's ending. Like it's exactly what you want from it. Um, yeah. I can understand how it works in some, in, 
some formats for sure. An interesting mm. thing, um, we had a discussion recently about one of these programs. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of these sort of pro- pro- comedy programs along the lines of Workaholics where it started as a web series. I think Always Sunny and Philly. No, Always Sunny didn't start. No, it wasn't Always Sunny. That was started out as a pilot they shot. That was, that's right. It was a pilot. But yeah, Workaholics was definitely... Uh, high the, Maintenance was a web high series. High Maintenance that was the other series. one. That's right. And we were talking about that recently, so maybe. Yeah, and we were mentioning how... Um, you know, it's hard to kind of, you, you want to go back and watch these things after you've watched the long form thing, but then the short form versions are always a lot harder to get your head into because these 10 minute kind of characters, while it can be a really good showcase for, you know, your writing and maybe how you do your jokes and um, all that kind of stuff. It's really hard to kind of engage with anything where you're only getting it in those little tiny bites. Do you think that's something that stands up and do you think that's something that will hold this platform back? Okay, so I should talk about two of the other genres in there. I talked about documentaries and are doing these like little reality show, reality show sort of things. So like Chrissy Teigen, I mentioned earlier, yeah. she's hosting Chrissy's Court and it's like a Judge Judy style thing yeah. where she's the judge and she doesn't say things very seriously and, you know, it's the very sort of hilarity and sort of my minutes of just, you know, silliness. And like there's that kind of thing which kind of just like lends itself well to these short form things. But you're talking about scripted stuff and so they've got some 10-minute comedies so as I mentioned, Caitlin Olsen from It's Always Sunny, she's got a comedy on there called Flipped with Will Forsay, and I haven't seen that yet. But they've also got some drama series that they're going to be doing, but they've also got what they're calling movies. And the movies is maybe what you're talking about there a little bit, which is that with a web series, and my complaint about web series is always that, let's say that you've got a 10-part web series. Mm-hmm. With that, the idea is that people would come into a binging, like that either binge it or they just watch it on like a weekly basis, whatever the rollout is for a web series. And so within that, they would always do it as though that episode is the one thing you're consuming at any given time. So in order to make that a sort of palatable experience, there's opening credits, there's setting up what happened in the previous episode of the web series and then sort of giving it enough sort of space so you enter this storyline. And then at the very end, you want to end on some sort of cliffhanger so they come back to the next chapter. And so by the time you do all of that, there's only like about three or four minutes of actual meat, even mm. if it's like, say, maybe a 10-minute web uh, show episode. Yeah. In this, they're kind of clever. So they're talking about these things and they're calling them movies, but they're really a movie broken up into chapters. Right. So the launch titles for this, there's three of them. Uh, the first one is the one that I'm probably going to focus on the most, and it's this thing called Most Dangerous Game. Now, Chris, you have seen versions of Most Dangerous Games many times before. It's based on a book from the, I'm going to say 1920s, called The Most Dangerous Game. Mm-hmm. And the premise of it is, is that there's some wealthy people who pay poor people to be hunted. Oh, yes, of course. Okay, so we've seen versions of this. The most notable one in my heart is maybe Turkey Shoes, the Australian exploitation <laughs> yes, film from the 70s. Uh, but like, there's always a version of this. Every three or four years, there'll be some sort of version of this, either as an episode of a TV show. Like The first time I ever encountered this as a story, was a novel collection of short stories about Batman and Batman-related characters back in the early 90s. So when Batman Returns came out, they had one of these books that was just a book of short stories about Catwoman. And so Catwoman got kidnapped by some big game hunter. And so she was out there as the most dangerous game being hunted by big game people. And, you know, she turned it on them and, you know, came out the victor because that's what always happens. The poor person ends up being able to take control of the situation and kill all the rich people. You'd hope so. Very much so. Uh, definitely a story for our times as well. Yes. And, you know, we're all sort of you know waving the fists of revolution around the place. Uh, but most dangerous game, the version here has Christoph Waltz as a rich guy, 
he ends up coming across Liam Hemsworth, who's a, and this is where it falls apart a little bit. So it should just be that he's a everyday poor guy. Uh, but in this, him and his wife, they've had a fair bit of success. Like he's going as like a building developer. Like he's got a right. construction site that he goes to. <laughs> okay. But like he can't get all the funding for the building. So that's sort of getting by in their very nice, fancy house. And that's where, oh, we're so poor. We're so poor. Right. Yeah, I made the international hand gesture of wanking when I was yes, watching yeah. it because it just didn't really quite feel right to me. But anyway, he's desperate for money. He finds out he's got a serious health issue and won't be able to leave money behind for his family once he passes, which will be in theory very soon. So anyway, he agrees to sign up to this dangerous game that Christoph Waltz is having. And so over the course of 12 or 13 chapters, I'm guessing it'll be, it's the dangerous game. So the first two or three chapters is setting up the premise and then the rest of it's going to be him running around a city that I think is New York while every chapter there's going to be some sort of person trying to kill him. It's a thing that lends itself really well to cliffhangers. Yeah. But as opposed to most web series, there's no need to actually set it up because effectively that's saying this is a chapter. And so the yeah, idea yeah. is that you can watch a couple of them back to back. They don't need to do the setup and they can just let it run. So, you know, it's effectively gets over the hurdle that I think most web series have. However, I think there's another problem that Quibi have that they haven't really thought about yet. So every day you get a new chapter of these movies. Now, they've got three movies running at the moment. So there's Most Dangerous Game. Uh, there's another one which I've lost my screen. I had all the names of shows on it, which, man, this is awkward. If only it was a podcast where I could just pause up and look it up. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you that it's Most Dangerous Game. There's an interesting sort of uh, teen relationship drama called When the Streetlights Go On. And I've seen the first few episodes of that. And that's actually really good. And then there's the show with Sophie Turner on it called Survive, which is her and Corey Hawkins in a plane crash and then have to fight for survival, I guess. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to get to that one. But that's three movies. And so you have to think about that. If there's a new chapter of that, that's eight minutes every day. So let's mm. say I'm watching all three of those. Let's say I'm watching one of the comedies. Let's say I'm watching one of the docu-series. So I've been watching this documentary series about the making of pasta. Uh, so it's this guy from a pasta restaurant in LA who goes across to Italy and every week he looks at a different pasta shape, which isn't really like a common pasta shape anymore. Man, you're talking actually kind my of, language. This sounds yeah, good. this is it. Like you and your partner will love that show. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, essentially like, you know, that's like five shows. And if I think about that and every episode of that is somewhere between like six to eight minutes. Yeah. So if I've watched that, like that's the equivalent of watching an episode of TV every day. Okay. And like, yeah, you yeah, know, that's yeah. fine. Like I can fit that into, if I'm commuting to work, I could watch like two or three of them on the train ride in. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. watch two or three of them on the train ride out. That's totally fine. But Chris, what happens on that day where I choose to work from home or I'm sick and I'm not necessarily watching this stuff on Quibi it means that the next time I'm catching that train and doing my commute in, I suddenly don't have six things I need to watch. I have to watch 12 things. Yeah, yeah, in order yeah, to absolutely. <laughs> Let's say I've taken two days off. Let's say I've taken a week off and I've gone on a family holiday somewhere and I come back. That's suddenly 35 episodes or something that I need to watch. And that's hugely unwieldy. And I'll probably stop watching at that point. I'm going to um, ask you something about something you just said then too, which I find interesting mm. on this platform. Uh, you said you and your partner are going to, would enjoy watching this, which definitely mainly the things we watch are about <laughs> Italian food. How do yeah, you reckon? You would have would, to watch it with one of you yeah, with a, how do we in do your this? mobile phone. So do we, this yeah. is it. Like it is made for personal consumption, which strange. is generally fine, but like, it's a bit hard. Like you can't actually like, okay. So on my phone, I often airplay things to the TV. So when I'm sitting on the couch, 
I see a funny tweet or like a cool dog video or something. Yeah. I'll stop whatever my partner and I are watching and I'll just send a video to the TV and we can watch it and have a laugh for a second. Oh my God, that would back. drive me crazy. I cannot believe you're doing that. <laughs> I mean, I could, hand, I could hand her my phone and we'd have the same experience. I but then we so. watch this dumb thing, you know, for 30 seconds. And it's like I do like every five minutes I'm doing it. It's like, you know, every couple of days I might do it once. Even, but even I can't do that on this because it doesn't no, support AirPlay. Weird. So yeah, that's like, what I it think doesn't do strange, AirPlay, right? it doesn't do Chromecast. Yeah, you can't really do that. So if you want to sit down and watch all of Most Dangerous Game back to back on a Sunday morning, you can't really do that unless you're lying in bed. Just having Which, it, I mean, as, I'm sure as, you can take your mobile phone other places, but but having it as no option, it seems very strange, doesn't it? It's like it's going like, no, nah, yeah, you won't watch it like that. You're just going to watch it like this. It seems very, yeah, it seems like a, a weird way to narrow down the experience. It really is. So I mean, I understand why they've done that, but I think they're going to maybe revert that pretty quickly. I think they'll be. Mm other apps created. They also have this interesting technology on it called Turnstile, which if you've like watched things on your phone, you know that annoying experience of you'll watch a uh, YouTube video in portrait mode and so you'll just sort of see black bars at the top mm. and bottom of the screen. Um, here, it fills up the entire screen because everything's been shot to be a full screen mobile experience. But things are shot to be in portrait mode. But then if you want to watch it in landscape, you just turn the phone and seamlessly it actually just flips to... Uh, landscaping mm. just keep on watching you don't even really notice that it's flipped and you don't have like a second or two of lag time or anything it just does it automatically and that's kind of cool but also i've been watching like maybe about like 15 to 20 quibi episodes now i'd say that i find that function more annoying than not why not just have it as landscape like yeah, you know you yeah, press yeah, play yeah, and then yeah. you just have to twist the phone in your hand they seem to have this idea that people want to keep on moving their phone around but that's not how people really watch it no. the only annoyance i have is when i'm lying in bed trying to watch it in landscape and then suddenly, like, I twist my hand too far and then suddenly it flips to portrait and it's like, I don't want that. And then it takes yeah, a second yeah, to go right. back. And yeah, it's, it's just no good. Um, so that's been my big frustration with it, I guess. Would that also mean that they've got to shoot it in a certain way to make sure they're not cutting stuff out of yeah, the side? Yeah, so they actually like they shoot it in both formats. Area. They shoot it in yeah. both formats, right? Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting technology yeah. and it's an interesting approach to it all. But I think maybe they're just spending money on something which isn't actually of much value to people watching it. Wait a minute. When yeah. you say they're shooting anyway. in two formats, does that mean they're using two cameras? Well, I'm not entirely sure. I've heard, like, I've heard two different versions of that, but I think that is actually the case. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I'd like to know so more So they can frame that. it properly one way as well as the yeah, other way. Yeah, because it wouldn't always just, you wouldn't think it would always just work like that, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure. I, I'm not a camera guy, so I can't really talk necessarily about how you can frame it for both. No, no. Um, like and it's, with the one take. Uh, but then the other thing as well is uh, because there's like one chapter every day and like the movies that I've got are going to run for like about 12 days, I'm guessing-ish. Like some of them yeah. are like 9 to 12 days, I'd assume. Yeah. Uh, so it actually means I've got a pretty heavy like churn of stuff. Mm. So while there's definitely that sort of build-up of episodes that you might have, maybe you just decide not to watch the rest of that story and you'll just wait for the next thing to kick on. And inevitably, they'll probably be at like different sort of episode lengths as well. So some movies might be 12 chapters, where some might be nine. So mm -hmm. while there's definitely three running concurrently at the beginning, I'm sure that give it a couple of weeks and you'll find movies are at different like stages in their progression and things yeah. might be a bit more interesting in that regards. But yeah, so I think Quibi is very interesting. There's content on it I've actually found like really engaging. But the one thing that I think completely, well, there's a few things that completely destroy it. One, there's no intellectual property that people are really familiar with. There's no I Star think all Wars of us, there. Like there's no Star Wars, for example. And I was thinking about it. It's like there's a couple... When I'm watching these movies, the one genre I kept on thinking about is because I'm a really cool guy. 
uh, during my teenage years, I discovered movie serials from like the 1940s because mm. the local community TV station used to play a lot of, um, what was I watching? Uh, there was a uh, Shazam series, I think, from memory. Uh, and then there was, oh gosh, I can't even remember what else I was watching. But there's a whole bunch of movie series from back in the day. Why not sort of think about actually structuring a bit more like a movie serial and have some of the characters from the old movie serials and actually do that as an action adventure show. Like, why isn't there a Zorro show on here? Okay, why isn't there a Buck Rogers show? Why isn't there mm. Green Horner? You know, like these old radio characters, um, The Shadow, like things where that's not necessarily tied up with uh, properties that are like already sort of IP focused on like yeah, Disney yeah. Plus or whatever. But like there's characters that people know and would probably go, oh, there's a Zorro show. I'll check that out. Yeah, Like, yeah. why not do some of that kind of stuff? Like, mm. I, I don't quite understand because that, translates really well to a movie serial style maybe which not is very as, much what these movies are doing maybe not as many um teenagers uh were watching as were watching 1940s movie serials as you might like to believe i mean that does surprise me but I mean, the thing <laughs> is like characters like zorro for example we've all seen antonio banderas like yeah, people yeah. know who the character is yeah and, yeah absolutely and i think yeah. people are very familiar with that i mean that was the basis of star wars as well right and indiana jones oh, look, absolutely and yeah. we're all based on that so it's not like we're not familiar with that style of storytelling yeah so yeah. and it much... does be at the same budget level as something like most dangerous game like it just doesn't yeah. make much sense to me yeah um and like i should say these movies are actually like decent budget films as well yeah right. so most dangerous game i'm sure if it was a regular film it's probably like a 12 to 20 million dollar film i'm guessing yeah, wow. like it looks pretty good it's got celebrities in it you know mm. it's a it's a proper thing how much does it cost me to get this um, mobile okay. phone tv service here's where i think it completely falls down so in the US, uh, so they're going to launch with an ad version as well as a ad-free version. In the US, you can get the ad-free version for seven ninety nine, but with ads, it's like four dollars ninety nine, which I actually thinks maybe a dollar or two too high. But they've also got deals with local telco carriers where you can, yes. you know, if you're a let's say AT and T, I can't remember who the deal is exactly, but if you're an AT and T customer, you get Quibi for a year, and like yeah. that's fine. Like I'm sure they'll pick up a whole bunch of viewers through that. But they've actually launched it in Australia and presumably other places in the world as well. And that wasn't expected. So I was a bit surprised to find it in Australia. How much do you think the service should cost here in Australia? Five bucks. No, I would say no. I'll be realistic and say like, what what do we, I think like the lowest Netflix tier when it was introduced at least was eight bucks or something, right? Yeah. So eight bucks. Yeah. See, I mean, I would say four to five bucks, I think is a perfectly reasonable price to pay. Inevitably, like you just said, I think $8 is the price point I was expecting them to go to if they yeah. launched in Australia. They want to charge twelve ninety nine. Yeah, right. Ooh. Yeah, that's where it falls apart. So that, even though yeah. I was very quibby skeptical when I started looking at it on Tuesday when it launched in Australia, so Monday in the US, but you know, time zones and whatnot. Uh, so when I was looking at it on Tuesday, I'm like, you know what, this is kind of a little bit naff. But then I started watching it and I've actually really kind of gotten into some of these programs. But I'm also thinking that in three months' time when they start wanting us to start paying for it, because they're giving us a three-month trial. Yes, yes. And that's everyone can sign up to this three-month trial. Oh, great. Like when that comes around, like $12.99 is a pretty big price to pay for a yeah. mobile-only streaming service. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I guess it'll depend on how engrossed you are in the content that's on there and if, if there's anything that you'll need to keep watching or um, if, if, if it's all of such a you know high quality that you'll want to... It does seem like a stretch though. Jeez. That's exactly it. I mean, the quality, like I don't really care about any of the news programs. They all seem a little bit light and a little bit too general for my taste. Yeah. Um, the general entertainment show is like, there's a few sort of fun things. Like there's one called Murder House Flip, which is a, like a house flipping show, but it's only on places where they've been like grisly murders in the past. 
Yeah. Like that's kind of a cool idea. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know if that's really worth it, but I do like these scripted shows. I like some of the documentary series they've got. They're all pretty high quality. I'm not sure that's twelve ninety nine, and I definitely haven't seen Zorro on any of this. <laughs> Zorro, you would have been there with your 13 bucks a month for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Anyway, right. Quibi, I reckon sign up for the three-month trial because it's yeah, on sure. Android and iOS and, you know, everywhere. So it's definitely interesting and worth playing around with because it's kind of fun. But, yeah, when you come to have to pay for it, like, I don't know, in three months' time, I'm really going to be questioning that. Um, but also, maybe in three months' time, I'm going to, like, say, hey, look, I've watched this a whole bunch every day, like, the last three months. Maybe I will stick with this. Who knows? I don't know where I'm going to be in three months' time with this and what my experience with it will be like and how it changes. I don't think anyone knows where we're going to be in three months' time at this stage. Um, That's a good point. If you're um, commuting, of course, again, if you're back to commuting, it might be a bit more of an appealing thing. That's sort of bad timing on that behalf, isn't it? Oh, look, absolutely. This was intended very much for people's downtime. And yeah, people don't really have downtime in that way anymore. (laughs) They've either got all the time in the world or they've got, you know, less time because they're looking after kids and doing other... Yeah, yeah. It's great. It it, it it has gone both ways. And neither is ideal, Mm. I don't think. Um... Thank you very much for that wrap-up of Quibi. I feel very educated about it now, and I can't wait to bore people when they ask me um, questions about, uh, you know, oh, is there anything else I can catch up on on Netflix? I'll be like, well, have you thought about Quibi? Have you have you considered Quibiing? Hmm. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I, Chris, I think for you, definitely sign up to it for the three yeah, months. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, why not? But yeah, when it comes to paying for it, like, you know, I'd be surprised if you stuck with it. But I think give it a look because there's interesting stuff happening. And also, if you've got a short attention span, which like everything's less than 10 minutes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. On you go. If they had whole movies that were 10 minutes long, I'm all over it. That's plenty of time for a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Hey, Chris, to, have you been yes. watching anything recently? Anything maybe Lego-based? <laughs> Look, I'll be quick about this, um, but I was very stoked to get a preview copy of the new Lego Masters Australian series, which I don't think starts yet. It hasn't started yet, has it, Dan? You know this stuff. Uh, look, it hasn't started yet. I was hoping that maybe you would have gotten the date from the media site. <laughs> Hang on, it's probably still open here. <laughs> I should have. Uh, are, are you expecting me to do research now? Is that what you're saying? To do my well, this research. is your segment. Okay, I can tell you that it returns to Channel Nine in Australia on the April nineteenth. So that would be okay. Cool, about a week away. Yeah, because uh, uh, I'll probably drop this podcast like you know Monday. So is April nineteenth this coming Sunday? Excellent. Um, it's very, very good. I've watched the first episode. I guess the main thing last week for regular listeners, I, I think it was last week that I talked about the US Lego Masters or maybe a couple of weeks ago. That was about two or three weeks ago. Um, and really very much enjoying that. You we know, were we're, still allowed out in the outside world. Oh, that's why right, we were in the outside world. Yeah. Now, I thought. Um, Will Arnett, of course, the host of that, uh, very, you know, putting his personality on it. So it's a very interesting take, but I, but it was interesting. Oh, Will Arnett, he has a Quibi show. Oh, cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. He's like presenting like weird 1980s video clips. Yeah. That's see, That seems like a very good idea for him. I saw him on Sesame street the other day. He was doing, he was, he was basically doing, um, Job. He was being an illusionist and stuff. (laughs) It was very funny. Um, he was a very bad magician. Um, Sorry, illusionist. Sorry, illusionist. Um, (laughs) And then, um, yeah, but so the Australian series is back with the same uh, lineup as it had before, which was Hamish of Hamish and Andy fame and um, the Brick Man, whose name I can't remember, but why would you call him anything other than the Brick Man? Because that's what he's known as. And it really dawned on me that the one thing that the American show was missing, I think, is the Brick Man. He's very, very good. So he's an Australian guy who's the only accredited Lego 
certified master builder in Australia. There's about nine in the world or something like that. And these are the people that oversee the big installations and the, um, they're not, I, I guess they're involved in the set development as well, but I think that's more of a, I think it's more about the sort of public facing Lego stuff and the really big, um, the, the, the really big displays and stuff that go around the place. And, um, Whereas the US series had a couple of really interesting Lego experts, including um, a woman who works for Lego uh, in Denmark, who was in the British version as well, but very stiff in that and definitely a lot better in the American one. But they still don't have the sort of same, they just don't seem to have the same uh, love for Lego and passion for the thing that Brickman does. And he just brings this excellent perspective to it. So they need Ryan McNaught. Ryan McNaught, thank you very much for that. Ryan, um, the Brickman McNaught. Yeah, yeah, um, and he's just—he uh, he really like he's—he's he's not the most natural person on television. He—he he talks very well, and he—and he's a great combination with Hamish. But I think he just has such an ex- excellent level of um, critique into the designs that the people are making, as well as a real fondness for them and a real—you know—he takes it. You know, I don't imagine you could find anyone that could take it any more seriously than this guy. Like he really lives and breathes it, and you can tell that about it and when he's doing criticism it's very genuine and so anyway i just think that um if uh the the show having watched the first episode which was lengthy like an hour and a half or something like that um it's every bit as compelling and well done as the first as the first australian series which was a big success from memory so i think um they're they're definitely on track to do the right thing uh to do the same thing all over again uh so yeah lego master australia very excited about that and if you, I, I really think, yeah, they're going to, the teams were all very interesting and I think they're going to take it in very much the same low stakes, competitive, friendly nature of the first series. Did you end up watching I mean, any of it? Low stakes, but is there anything more important? Exactly. Well, you know, it, why isn't it as important as anything else? It certainly is as important as sport. Um, if we're allowed to get excited about sport, we're allowed to get excited about Lego building. Did you end up watching any of the oh. Australian one? Uh, no, I haven't. So the thing I would probably say is that there's no sport in the world anymore. Yes. So like there's Maybe only Lego, Lego Masters. So right. I think by default, Lego Masters wins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah uh, but, but I, no, I haven't really watched it yet. I keep meaning to it. It just hasn't happened. Yeah, no, it's just interesting because I know it's not really your bag, that kind of stuff. But it was just really, really well done. And I really, I feel like they play off, um, Hamish, Hamish is very good at playing off the, um, you know, making fun of the kind of reality TV uh, gimmicks and things that they do in a way that's, uh, you know, ha- has a laugh with the audience instead of kind of being being really cynical about it or anything. Yeah. Anyway, so that's starting in, on April 19, Channel 9, Lego Masters. That's all I got to say yeah. on that one, Dan. <laughs> hey, Chris, I'm going to talk about one final show before we Excellent. do our TV Masters quiz. Oh, yes. Be quick because this quiz is going to take you a while. Oh, I'm just kidding. Crap. No, I'm just kidding. Take your time. Whatever. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's do this. Um, I want to talk about a TV show called Brew Brothers. So, uh, which one of you is in charge? I am. Family business. Mm-hmm. Like the Lehman Brothers. Yeah. Uh, uh, big fans. No, you don't know who they are. They stole a lot of money. <laughs> Take a seat and I will bring a flight that is going to bedazzle you. Okay. Great. Bedazzle him? Ooh, that was bad even for you. I am nervous. Now, Chris. Uh, the league. Are you familiar with that TV show? 
Yes. Uh, the league, I believe it had that really funny guy who's got the gap between his teeth, much like myself. Nick Kroll? Um, no, not Nick Kroll. The other guy, the, the dwindling Mark guy. Mark Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. And Nick Kroll I love as well. <laughs> um, yes. I, I watched a few episodes because I'm not a sport guy. I kind of like drifted out. But um, I really liked it. Yeah, Mark Duplass, who is in an aforementioned Quibi TV show. So he a, he's in the... Sorry? Oh, no, no, you're right. He just did a, very good, he, he did a very good... When the streetlights go on. Ah, he did a very good cameo in the Curb season 10 that's just been on as well. I thought yeah, he's great. Yeah. He pops up in heaps of stuff. Well, the connection to Curb is that Jeff Schaefer, who's the guy that created the league, he is a regular um, oh, of course. Yeah, collaborator yeah. with Larry yeah. David and co-wrote most of the Curb episodes for this year. Mm, that'd be very good. Yeah. I won't derail you, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, so Brew Brothers is the new show from Jeff Schaefer, Excellent. formerly of The League. Uh, if you're familiar with The League, it is a show which had very low-stakes comedy that was about some fantasy football enthusiasts and the shenanigans they get up to as they set their lineup every week and you know get involved in mischief. I'm not a sports guy by any means. I was quite drawn to The League, though, just because it was dirty jokes that were fairly well-conceived. And it was definitely unlike anything that was really on TV at the time. Absolutely. I think there's been a few shows that have embraced a similar sort of comedic style since then, but it definitely felt fairly unique for a while there. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So he's back with a new show and it's this thing called Netflix called Brew Brothers. Now he's doing it with his real life brother. who's a guy named, I think it's Greg Schaefer. Uh, Greg Schaefer was one of the writers, I think, on that 70s show. Uh, he's, he's been around. So it's these two hmm. brothers who are now doing the show about two brothers who are running a like a craft brewery together. Anyway, I thought, you know what, that's a loose enough premise that it has the potential to have the magic that I liked about from the league. So you can kind of get a whole bunch of actors who you've never really seen on screen before. But if they're funny, you know, let them have at it. Yeah. The thing that I had thought about before I started watching Brewery Brothers is that the league, I think, had a kind of funny-ish first episode. But I think it took about four or five episodes to really sort of find what worked about the characters and to get yeah. them to settle in. And once that happened, I think the show started working quite nicely. Like it became an ensemble that like just kind of grew and builds its world out. Sure. This is a show which I will say I think probably falls into a very similar um, structure. There's eight episodes on Netflix for season one. I've watched the first three. And I have to say the first one was okay-ish. And I was like, do I really continue with this show? But I remembered that the league wasn't really particularly that strong at first. The second episode, I think is complete write-off with Brew Brothers. But the third episode kind of actually had a little bit of, there was a glimmer of something happening right. in the show. Yeah, yeah, right. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the rest of the season will be like. I'm going to stick with it purely because I enjoyed this other dumb comedy that the guy's been responsible for before. But I don't know. So Brew Brothers, if you like the league, maybe check this out but don't necessarily expect it to quite have the same magic. Maybe it'll pay off. Maybe it won't. I haven't seen enough of it yet. So quite know for sure. What was so bad about the second episode? Uh, okay. So, I mean, this is also a bit of a bias from me. I'm not really a big fan of like bathroom humor. So like I can, <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy the occasional like poo and pee joke, but when it comes just like really just intensely focused on it, like I just start to get a bit bored. Uh, this like it is a very pee heavy episode and if you find pee jokes like just the bee's knees you'll probably get a real kick out of the episode but i don't know i just found it just hard going and i don't think there was enough variation in the joke that they were playing make note skip straight to episode two 
<laughs> I mean, you are the father of a how old is Zalo? Four years yeah, old. Five years old. Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. Prime demographic for two and P jokes. It goes down pretty well. I encourage it too, and I get in trouble for that uh, from various other parents and uh, authority type <laughs> figures. But why not? You know, you've got to have a sense of humor about these things. Um, okay, cool, Brew Brothers, uh, which I do not. I'm definitely going to check it out because I love, um, you know, I, you know how I feel about comedies without big like i keep saying low stakes comedies but that's it where you know i don't want a lot of drama well that's what it is yeah it's moment. complete low stakes i've got too much drama okay so it's the have- thing like comedy comedy doesn't really work well with high stakes so it really needs to be low stakes and yeah totally like, i agree it's about minutia um so are we going to move on to the uh i think we should well uh, so i should say brew brothers it's a netflix series it dropped literally three hours ago as we're talking about this <laughs> how did you get three episodes in? oh yeah half uh, hour episodes yeah, yeah yeah they're like 27 minutes each i think yeah sure <laughs> Um, uh, and I forgot to apply for my screener access for the show. So I was, uh, I realized this a couple of days wait. ago, like, I'll just wait for it to drop, which is why I've only seen the first three to talk about them on the pod. Um, have we got some theme music for this next part of the show yet? Uh, look, no. And I still haven't worked out what the prizes are going to be. <laughs> they better be good. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to nail you with this week's I've made this very difficult for you. I was left Should I get humili- a trophy? I was left humiliated last week while you asked me to name the creators of my favorite programs and I, and I didn't know them. Um, so so we, should, we should explain for people yes, who are do. unfamiliar with this. Um, each week, myself and Chris are participating in the Television Masters. This is 100 trivia questions. Each of us get 50 questions because we're alternating weeks and 10 questions a week. And by the end of it, we're going to tally up how many questions we got right and wrong and whoever gets the most right won the tv masters so i've been a very bit complicated cheeky. idea <laughs> very complicated i've been a bit cheeky here because like so what i've done is i've i've, I've approached a field i know that you're not an expert in but i've <laughs> yes. tied it but i've tied it to um programs that i know you've definitely seen and that you're a fan of so it will be about okay. how much you've paid attention to these particular characters in these um, shows, so I'm very interested. I will say, yeah, I ran, and I we ran, should say, there's there's no sets like subject matter. It's going to be TV related in some way, but each week has to be themed around something. I ran, I ran over, I ran it past my partner this evening, who probably feels about the same as you do about a lot of this stuff, and she got zero out of five. So we'll see if you can manage a little better than that. Um, so it's only five questions. Five questions. Is that right? Or was I meant to do it's ten? Must be ten, Chris. Oh, all right. We'll, 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 we'll work out the difference. You might have to catch me up next week. Um, <laughs> 10 seems like a lot. Okay, here we go. Um, so the theme for this week is rappers in television shows. Okay. Um, question one. I expect to do poorly. <laughs> Who was the rap group that Hank Kingsley insulted with a racial slur live on television on this Larry Sanders show? Oh, good grief. Um like I just feel it's the Beastie Boys, but I don't know. Do you remember the episode? I, I've, um, like I've got a recollection of the episode. I'm trying to remember. It was the. Oh, um, gosh, it's all right. I'll just tell you. It was the Wu Tang Clan, um, and okay. and I don't yep. I don't know if it actually was live on air. And now that I mentioned that, I think they I think it was backstage, and Hank was like <laughs> rapping along to one of their songs and, and dropping n words in. Um, which <laughs> didn't go down well from the nine Staten Island rappers. Okay, I was about since- to do a Larry Sanders show rewatch a couple of weeks ago, and I really regret not doing it now. <laughs> um, well, since you got the easy one wrong, uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, 
Which real well, life? Thankfully, there's only five of these. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which real life rapper <laughs> played the fictional rapper that Jack Donaghy hired to market his champagne in Thirty Rock? So this oh, gosh, guy. I don't remember this at all. You don't remember that episode? It is towards the end. It's a. It's an act. He, I would say he's an actor rapper, as in he's been in a lot of. Um, he's, he's done a lot of acting over his time, um, and I can't remember the character's name, which was very funny. Oh, look, I, I, I'm stuck. I'm just going to say Donald Glover on account of the fact that he was being 30 Rock affiliated, but I know he wasn't on the show. Great great guess. Incorrect. It was LL Cool J. Um, <laughs> sorry, have I made this too hard for you? To, um, which rapper? This one's more just because it's funny. I mean, the thing is you haven't made it too hard. Like these are both <laughs> things I probably could have gotten. Okay, cool. Which rapper appeared in The Nanny? Not once, but twice as different characters. So as you can imagine, this was the 90s. This was a very popular show. This is a very popular 90s uh, rap. Now, was this an appearance where people watching The Nanny would go, oh my God, it's Liz Taylor? <laughs> yes. Once on one, yes, I think on both occasions, but one occasion they were playing a rapper and the other occasion they were just playing a another character for some reason. I've got no idea. My immediate instinct is I just want to say it's Snoop Dogg, but uh, I can't you, see Snoop Dogg playing a character, but I could imagine him having a walk-on role. You're very close. It where was Fran says, oh my God, look, it's... <laughs> It was uh, Coolio, the rapper behind uh, such classics as oh. I can't even remember any Coolio songs. He did Gangsters Paradise. Well, Gangsters Paradise is yeah. really the one that everyone knows, I think and by it, everyone, right? I mean me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that was about his highlight. Terrible. So person. Coolio, uh, I don't really know as an actor particularly that well, but I believe that he might have been one of the cast members on the ill-fated Bill Cosby show. Uh, was it just called Cosby? Oh, that was the really? one after the Cosby show. Oh, that's an interesting. I feel he might have been on that, but I'm, I don't know for sure. I'm going to look it up while I try to feign like my knowledge <laughs> to the next one. Uh, this one you might, th- these next two, are, oh, we'll see. What was the name of the fictional rapper in Curb Your Enthusiasm who confided to Larry he was cheating on his wife, Wanda? Oh, God. Oh, good grief. I do know this. It was the name of the episode was also the name of the rapper. I'm going to have to pass. <laughs> it's a crazy eyes killer. Crazy eyes killer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Last one. Well, oh, I, I was hoping we were near the end, but sure. <laughs> Which actor rapper got walled up by his enemies in Oz? And by I mean walled up, I mean he was... Um, alive and they put him inside a brick wall that they were building in order to suffocate him. He said actor rapper. Yeah. Actor rapper. I say that because he is a rapper, but he's probably, he's, he's probably almost as well known as being an actor, even though he's not a massively famous actor. I don't know. Cause I always thought it was Luke Perry that got walled up. Oh, I might be wrong. Yes. You might've, you might've found a, a floor in my, um, <laughs> no, I'm going to look it up. Uh, but you might be right. You can tell how much I researched this, Dan. Anyway, the rapper that went into it, it was Method Man uh, from We Take Claire, who was the actor rapper that was mostly in the, um, the program. He's done heaps of stuff. He's, he's been in a bunch of movies, um, that even white people watch as well as like a bunch of, um, uh, so I might've seen it then. Uh, oh, was it really Luke Perry and Oz? How good was Oz? I've been thinking about it lately, though. Um, yeah, pretty good. It doesn't quite hold up. I think it's the cinematography on the show more than anything else. Because it was quite dry, wasn't it? Before sort of the, the more movie style that the HBO became right after Yeah, it was, it was very cheap. 
here's the thing with Oz. So there is, I guess, the parents, which really should be a trivia question on the show, but I can't confirm 100% this is really a thing that happened on it. I believe that Jerry Seinfeld made an appearance in an episode of Oz. That is, yes, that's true. And how did that happen? Because like, my understanding was he was a fan of the show and somehow they just like came off this thing. So there's like, on Oz, they used to always do the flashbacks to how someone ended up in prison. Yeah, And it was yeah, one of the yeah. prisoners had shot someone in like a video store, I want to say it was. And Jerry Seinfeld has a quick appearance as the person who gets murdered in the video store. Wow, that's amazing. Maybe it's a convenience totally for- store. And I think at the time that was the, literally the only thing he had ever done. It was literally the only thing he had ever done outside of. Um, See, that, that's not Seinfeld. quite true. Ah. So it was probably the only thing he was doing at the time. But Jerry Seinfeld's first like TV sitcom work was he was a recurring character actor on um, Benson. <sighs> what? I must have known this at some point and forgotten it. So the the idea was he was going to become a regular, but he wasn't very good. And so they tried him out on a few episodes of it and then just sort of wrote him off and he never stuck around. Whoa. That is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, for some fact checking, um, Coolio did not appear on the Cosby show. Uh, I was getting confused with Doug E. Doug. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, fair enough. However, I will confirm Coolio did make a dramatic appearance in the drama series Space Above and Beyond. Oh, there you go. He, he did a few little, little roles there. <laughs> Ridiculous. Now, I was doing some more reading up on Cosby. Can you believe that ran for four seasons? There are 95 episodes of oh that show. Oh, my God. No. I can't imagine. I can't believe they got through one. That's full on. Yeah, like I was convinced it was a two-season and done show, but yeah, what that ran the premise even. Like, was it, did he have a different family and stuff, or, or was it? No, it, it was have his. Well, it was loosely a different family. So he wasn't playing the same character. He played a character called Hilson Lucas, apparently. But Felicia Rashad, who played his yeah, wife yeah, in the Cosby right. Show, also played his wife here. Yeah, um, I, it was a remake of a British show, but I don't remember what the show was. Probably enough uh, Cosby talk anyway uh, at this stage. Well, it probably was. I mean, soon this will become the only dedicated Cosby podcast. (laughs) Well, that's a way to get some clicks, Dan, if we want to get those clicks. Well, I want Um, the clicks. I'm just not sure I want that audience. God, I can't believe it's meant to be 10 questions. You might want to rethink that, and that would mean I get to skip around. Um, But But of course, there'll be 100 questions, which means now (laughs) it's going to be... We've got to do it for twice as long. Exactly. Anyway, thanks for playing. I'm, I knew I made it a bit hard for you, uh, but um, you did well. And, uh, you know, you tried valiantly. And I think, I don't think I got any right last week anyway. I think maybe I guessed. No, one. you got like four right. No, I did I? Jeez. Yeah. All right. Well, it was three or four. I feel it was four. <laughs> four out of 10. Yeah, no, yeah. You're definitely ahead of me, but you have answered more questions. So I don't know how it really sure, plays yeah. out. I don't think it works yeah. out that way. <laughs> Indeed. Um, anyway, Chris, this brings us to the end of the podcast. Yes. We're um, done. We're out. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure not just to do this um, ranting but also to actually see you and talk to you and talk to a human about something that's not work or raising children is an absolute breath of fresh air at this stage so thank you yeah well I mean I view television as work (laughs) I know it's good to talk to you both my friend and colleague and colleague all right sorry yeah Yeah. (laughs) um uh yeah all right well I guess we'll be back next week um, we'll yeah. probably be doing it the same way. I don't think I'm going to get to see you for a, a little while. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, because of the internet the thing. once a week. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, just playing that gag again. 
Chris Yates, as you'd be familiar, there's a website, alwaysbewatching.com. People can check out the website for a daily newsletter. Uh, once a week, there's also some TV highlight or TV, um, well, just a TV guide, effectively. Mm. It's all the brand new shows that have debuted anywhere around the world that week. So usually I put those in a little bit of a digest so people can stay on top of all that business. It's very thorough. Yeah. It's, it's not as thorough as I'd like. I try. I think their content's great. I've been really, really enjoying having the time to read the newsletters a little bit more since the um, work emails have stopped coming in quite so, <laughs> quite so ferociously. It's like, oh, I'm going to read this today. Um, yeah, but so I always read stuff them. in there. Yeah, I, I usually yeah, take so me a few days to catch up, but I'm enjoying reading them as they come out. Yeah, so you can find that at alwaysbewatching.com. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you know, tell friends about it. Send them an email link and say, hey, check out these guys. They talk about all the TV shows I watch and Bill Cosby, which is a bit weird, but I just go with it anyway. We'll just, yeah, yeah. We'll just pretend that didn't happen. Um, yeah. I'm like, I could edit that out, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, we've been there before. <laughs> I've listened back and going, oh my God, that's still there. Yeah. Um, excellent, Dan. Well, thanks very much for, ch- for the chat. Thanks for having me yeah, on. So we'll be back next week with another episode where we'll do some more TV trivia. We'll do some TV reviews and I've got a lengthy word essay about Woody Allen. I'd like to talk about. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So See stay you. tuned for that. See you then, dude. <laughs> I'm going to cancel myself before then. <laughs> Bye Chris. Bye. Bye.